The following is a reflection on the readings for Friday of the 22nd week of Ordinary Time. The first reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 1 to 5. The responsorial is Psalm 37, and the Gospel is Luke chapter 5, verses 33 to 39. In today's Gospel, Jesus deepens his announcement of the good news of Jubilee by responding to the scribes and Pharisees' criticism why do the disciples of John fast often and make prayers and likewise those of the Pharisees, but yours eat and drink? The Pharisees had the practice of fasting not only on the Day of Atonement, but twice a week, on Thursday in honor of Moses climbing Mount Sinai to be with the Lord, and on Monday to commemorate his descent. But Jesus reminds his interlocutors of the joy and feasting that a wedding banquet entails. Can you make the friends of the bridegroom fast while the bridegroom is with them? In other words, the good news is that the messianic feast foretold in the Old Testament is here, now, in Jesus Christ, the bridegroom who invites everyone to the celebration. Notice that it is in Galilee of the north that the great announcement and invitation is made. The northern ten tribes who were the first to suffer the Assyrian conquest and as a result were scattered, will now be the first gathered to hear the good news of salvation. In Matthew's Gospel, a prophecy from Isaiah chapter 9 verses 1 to 2 is cited that the northern tribes of Zebulun and Naphtali, who sat in darkness and gloom following the destruction, would one day see a great light and rejoice in its increase. Jesus the Bridegroom will accomplish this ingathering of the lost tribes and all nations in a messianic feast that will culminate this side of heaven at the Last Supper. The prophet Isaiah predicted this feast of rich foods and fine wines where all tears would be wiped away, shame removed, and death swallowed up forever, where the people would proclaim, See, this is our God. We have waited for him. We are glad and rejoice in his salvation. Later, in Isaiah chapter 55, the invitation is made explicit to come and buy wine and milk without money or price, and let your soul delight itself in the abundance of an everlasting covenant. Hints that this new covenant would be nuptial appear in Isaiah chapter 54, verse 5. For your Maker is your husband, the Lord of hosts is his name, and your Redeemer is the Holy One of Israel. For a mere moment I have forsaken you, but with great mercy I will gather you. Also, Isaiah chapter 62 verses 4 to 5 state, No longer will they call you deserted, or name your land desolate, for the Lord will take delight in you, and your land will be married. As a young man marries a maiden, so will your sons marry you. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride, so will your God rejoice over you. Jesus, at the start of his ministry, now takes up this role of bridegroom. It is made concrete in John chapter 2 at the wedding feast at Cana, where Jesus changes water into 180 gallons of the finest wine, the first of his signs recalling the initial miracle performed by Moses in the book of Exodus chapter 7 changing water into blood that began the ten plagues and freedom of God's people from her captivity, wine being often referred to as the blood of the grape. 
since wine symbolized in the Old Testament the joy of the coming Messiah, the overabundance of new wine miraculously performed by Jesus signals that the wedding feast has begun. John the Baptist announces this great truth in John chapter 3, verses 29 and 30. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine, and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. In the remainder of today's Gospel, Jesus uses two metaphors to more fully describe what this new nuptial covenant of the bridegroom and the bride involves. The ill-advised patching of an old garment with new cloth results in the tearing of the garment due to the failure of the old to accommodate the shrinking of the new patch. The same disaster results when new wine is put into old wineskins. The fermenting of the new wine will cause further stretching and therefore tearing of the old wineskins. In other words, the new covenant is not just a facelift or makeover of the old, it is so radically different that the institutions and rituals of the old simply cannot bear or accommodate this transformation. In particular, the new salvation of God's grace will involve an interior regeneration such that Old Testament legal and sacrificial categories simply do not apply. This was foretold by several prophecies. For example, Ezekiel chapter 36 verses 26 to 27 states, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. Likewise, in Joel chapter 2 verse 28, the prophet foresees an age when the spirit is poured on all flesh, men and women, young and old, slave and free, who would dream dreams and experience visions. St. Peter on the day of Pentecost quotes this passage from Joel in Acts chapter 2 verses 15 to 17 to explain the arrival of the Messianic age and banquet. Moreover, with Jesus instituting the Eucharist, the Messianic banquet can now be celebrated with the very best food and wine of Christ's body and blood with great joy continuously until the end of time. In Luke chapter 22 and Mark chapter 14, Jesus Christ at the Last Supper specifies that the Eucharist is the new covenant between Christ and his church sealed in his blood. It is also the new Passover from death to eternal life. What should our response be to this good news of Jubilee? First, let us reflect deeply on what it means to be in a spousal relationship with Christ. Through our prayers, in reading the Word of God, which, after all, is a series of love letters from our Bridegroom, and especially by our participation in the Messianic Banquet of the Eucharist, that is, as John chapter 6, verse 56 states, a mutual abiding of Christ and His Church, may we be drawn ever more intimately into a love relationship that transcends any worry, fear, or discouragement that daily life presents. In all the difficulties that face our world, and there are many, and in our own personal struggles, we should be all the more eager to celebrate life 
because indeed Christ the Bridegroom is with us and in us. Second, since the new wine represents the Holy Spirit and the new wineskins our souls, let us approach often the sacrament of reconciliation so that any corrupted or hardened aspects of our interior life may be completely transformed to be able to receive and rejoice more fully in Christ's presence. Finally, such good news cannot not be shared. There is still room at the Messianic banquet table, and joy increases when our brothers and sisters join the feast. This earthly life transformed by God's grace is only a preparation for the heavenly wedding banquet of the Lord and His bride for all time, as St. John reveals in Revelation chapter 19, verses 6 to 9. Then I heard what sounded like a great multitude shouting, Hallelujah, for our Lord God Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad and give him glory, for the wedding of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. Then the angel said to me, Write, Blessed are those who are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. And he added, These are the true words of God.